The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Thursdays here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. We are loaded up today. We'll spend some time with Brandon Vogel, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. The uh, wonderful Twitter handle of Super 70 Sports put out a question. What's the most awkward picture you've seen of an athlete in a different uniform? And I sent it to Vogues, and immediately he sent it a picture back of one Adrian Martinez wearing wildcat purple. I sat there and looked at it on my phone. I'm like, that's up there. Kind of goes with Brett Favre in a Jets uniform. It uh, goes with uh, Kenny Stabler out of a Raider uniform, the snake in, in Houston Oiler baby blue. Love you, blue. Earl Campbell playing for the Saints. Doc Gooden as an Astro, Akeem Olajuwon as a Raptor. I have to put Joe Montana as a Chief. That still will just never look that, right. Well, no kidding, but it worked out well for for Kansas City, and it worked out well for San Francisco with the Steve Young era. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was different. So, and Jerry Rice played till he's like seventy five with four hundred different teams. Randy Moss, don't forget, Randy Moss was in a Niners uniform against Baltimore. Wasn't Jerry Rice in a Broncos uniform for like Jerry one Jerry Rice was in a Broncos uniform as well. Ronnie Lott for the Jets. That just kind of struck me. So a, a bit of a weird Thursday in, in that regard. Uh, we'll spend time with Brandon Vogel. Gary Barnett kicks off hour two. We'll get his take on that uh, transcendent quarterback, how to land him. Also with thoughts on Nebraska for 2022. Which leads us into FPI. Danny Burke joins us. Parker Gabriel uh, will also spend some time with us. Numbers for you to get in. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com or... Uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that's me, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So let's put our cards on the table again. And uh, your reaction to ESPN FPI. That's uh, been the talk. That's the talking point today. It is juicy. It's interesting. It's We have no football for a while. But there's always something to talk about with football. And with Nebraska... As a as a Husker fan, the the last few years have been torturous. Maybe the most torturous last season between coaching changes and 
transfers and portals and attrition near misses, right? You think you get that win that's going to kickstart things, and it doesn't stay kickstarted. It sputters out one way or another. So FPI says Nebraska is the favorite in the preseason to win the West, barely edging out Wisconsin. Nebraska comes in at 35th in the country, Wisconsin in at number 21. But quite honestly, it gets down to schedule, which we'll highlight here momentarily. What makes you most apprehensive about picking Nebraska? Is it the facts? The facts that your two tackles are trying to come back from injury? Is it the facts that you are asking too much for this football program in a year, in mere months, to gel as a coaching staff, first and foremost, with Whipple, with Applewhite, with Joseph, with Riola, with Frost. It's a lot of cooks, but your, your, your main chef is Whipple. I think that's pretty clear. Is that where you're concerned? Is it an issue to you with what you have to replace on defense? Is it special teams? That just because you have a really good you know, coordinator now, as coach in Bill Bush, it's just too much to ask in a year, less than a year, just a few months till Ireland gets here. Is it that or is it just the, the, the emotional part? You do not want to get your heart broken. Is it heart or is it head that keeps you from wanting to go all in and say, cool, Celebrate this. Nebraska's pegged and picked to finish first in the West. Nebraska would need probably at least nine wins to, to be a team to win the West. I'd, I'd probably say at least nine, more likely ten. Would, would you agree with that assessment? I think you can. It'd be, you it'd be, can, it'd be tough with eight, I think, with, with the teams in that division. No, I think you got to get to nine. I, I would say so, too. Uh, but but I think I think you can you can have a... You can have a log jam at eight and four in that division as well, and still have some tiebreakers. So, so I mean, my so I question think it is, could get funky. It could get funky with my your head to head being the, the 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 deal maker. Can Nebraska win eight or nine, maybe even ten games next year by more than one score? Because we know if it's a one score game, they ain't winning it. Well, <laughs> can they go win by hold, ten hold points? On, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Are you are you sure they're not going to win it this time? No, it's it's different. It's Whipple calling the plays. It's a different quarterback. It's a different defense, good or bad. It's a different special team setup. And and you just don't want to go there again, I think is it. I th- to be honest with you, Nebraska's underachieved mightily with the, the win totals. And three should have been seven or eight last year uh 2019 should have been six or seven easy 2015 should have been nine or ten we're going to go back a ways and i mean just look at how things have gone the preseason has said nebraska is a six and six squad if you go back to 2017 nebraska finished four and eight uh, and nebraska finished woefully short of where they were projected. There's a theme here. 
2018. Six and six is the number, four and eight. But they only finished about seven spots from where they were preseason projected, 50th to 57th. 2019, number 33 in the country. They are projected to, to, to crank out a, a, a win total of, you know, about seven or so, and they finish five and seven. Nebraska's always been on the wrong end of about two games from the projected win total to the actual win total, or more appropriately, the loss total. 2020, Nebraska was 22nd in the country. COVID and all, what they end up? Three and five. They finished 44th. What's even screwier is last year where they were projected to go five and seven, six and six. They go three and nine. They started the year ranked FPI-wise 46th. They ended the year 29th. So they were the 29th best team per FPI, but yet had a lightning strike reality of three and nine couldn't do that again if you tried this year the win totals around seven and a half preseason that can change and shift based on attrition based on injury what do you have but it's a heart versus a head discussion and the biggest thing to me that is going to make me probably buy stock is the changes I think there's enough experience and talent from a coaching standpoint that's been brought in to make a real difference. Also, I think there's a different mentality. Again, this is not pinata time on Adrian. I think you've got a different leader and maybe a better leader with Casey Thompson. Well, Casey Thompson was part of 5-7, and seven, a team that was ranked in the top 15, you know, Texas started out four and one. What the heck happened? They finished five and seven. Wasn't on him. He played hurt. He played well. And he's a guy that will will motivate his peers. I think some guys liked playing with Adrian. I think some guys were probably checked out on the drama with why are we always underachieving? You've always had some drama with attrition on offense here the last few years. That may not stop. But I think it can settle a little bit. I think you can have you can have a plan. You can have a plan on offense. You can have an identity on offense under Whipple. And it can win. That's important. Are you going to be able to at least plug some gaps on defense? You lost a lot of good dudes that were experienced. But how's the development been? You know, do you do you maintain or how far back do you fall defensively? Do you get some pass rush? And let's be honest, when we're talking about Nebraska and why they've fallen two to three games short with projected win totals, how many of those include a momentum-killing special teams gaffe? Remember Iowa? <laughs> Remember Michigan State? Oklahoma. 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 Wisconsin multiple times. Mm-hmm. Even some of these... Uh, G5 squads you've lost to. It's been a kick or a punt or a missed kick. That's got to all change. Can it all happen at once? I think it can happen in the right direction well enough to get you to seven. But let's talk in August before I'm starting to paddle over to Ireland uh, about where the offensive line's at. Numbers to get in at 466-3776. Buying or selling a West title based on preseason FPI. Well, uh, another factor to look at here is the, f- the fact that Nebraska really only has 
two daunting road games. I mean, there, there's, I mean, no road game in the Big Ten is easy, don't get me wrong, but you're starting off with a neutral site game against Northwestern, and we can talk about how Nebraska started the year under Scott Frost uh, for the past four years, and that answer is not well. So how are they going to respond in a neutral site game? That's to be determined. But then home games uh, to finish out the month of September, October, uh, your first road game on the road against Rutgers, which isn't a, a daunting away venue by any means. Then you follow it up with an away game against Purdue, which again, not necessarily a daunting away you, venue. You, if you, the the success you've had has been on the road against Purdue, that's true. I mean, it's not been in Lincoln. Well, Ross Aid Stadium is not a, a fearful place if you're a Big Ten stadium to go in terms of the, the crowd noise. In terms of no, you what, lose what at bringing. Purdue because you help lose at Purdue. Mm-hmm. It's not the crowd losing. And then you're home against Illinois, home against Minnesota, and then you're on the road against Michigan. There's the first daunting, truly daunting mm-hmm. road game. November's going to suck. Home against Wisconsin, then a daunting road game against Iowa. Mm-hmm. So you, you save your two daunting road games for where Nebraska has traditionally played its best football over the past couple of years, which is towards the end of the year. They played their best. And, fo- and one of those daunting road games is a, is a crossover. Yeah. They played their best football on the road and haven't found a way against Iowa. Mm-hmm. They played well enough to win in that stadium the last few years in the Frost era. They played well enough to win and, and scare Iowa. So maybe you get it done this year. And you finally <laughs> you know, break the hex of Wisconsin in Lincoln. You were right with them last year. And quite honestly, if it's going to come down to Nebraska and Wisconsin, Nebraska better have a better quarterback than Wisconsin. Yes. I can't tell you that Nebraska is going to have a better running back than Wisconsin. I can't tell you that Nebraska is going to have a better offensive line than Wisconsin. But now you got part of Wisconsin coaching your offensive line in, in Riola. All right? So they're going to – you hate hearing this, but Nebraska used to, used to be their own identity on the offensive line. Well, the, the wow factor offensive line-wise has always been Iowa or Wisconsin here since you've moved into the Big Ten. It's post post bow anyway, and now you got a guy who knows how to to run block and be physical Wisconsin style, and and maybe you you kind of get up to speed there, and it, it works out for you. So listen, November's no good with with how you close, but you should be used to it now. By now, you've always closed that way with a with a round robin of Wisconsin Iowa. In Minnesota, you flip it around, and it, it's Michigan, which is that was supposed to be a mid-October game, but it got flipped around and produced that mid-October game now, October fifteenth. Listen, I think Nebraska, based on quarterback play, uh, needs to find a way to outduel Wisconsin, and uh, special teams has been an issue defensively. Wisconsin beat you. With one hand tied behind their back last year, and they barely beat you. Mm-hmm. You just ran out of time and didn't get a flag at the goal line. So uh, we'll see where they're at. Defense will be big. Lines of scrimmage going to be huge. Portal additions will be necessary on the interior defensive line at offensive tackle probably. And can you get some more depth and some more talent on both of those groups? You're going to need a third inside linebacker. Because uh, all three of your dudes right now, Snodgrass, uh, Reimer, Henrich, have been dinged. You're going to put a lot of miles on you as well as they played last year. We're talking combined damn near 200 tackles. 
you're going to need to give them a, a breather, especially if Kalarovic's going to be, be your your JoJo option potentially along uh, with Gifford. So, no, uh, listen, am I, am I going to spend your money or mine and, and just run out and put a futures down? <laughs> Not in April. But let's see how the camp goes. This algorithm is has been off with what they predicted in Nebraska. But has it been the algorithm that's off, or has it been Nebraska's reality of getting in their own way? And I think we can all say Nebraska's gotten in their own way. I think the, the projections of six, seven wins the last few years should be more true than false. And it was some head scratch in football that made it, again, a drought of bowl eligibility. Brandon Vogel is next to Tale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back to it. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine you follow him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel is the handle, and hopefully you've got his book, Dream Like a Champion, with John Cook. Vogues, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing pretty well. No complaints. Weather here is uh, is pretty good, so uh, everything's, everything's going well. Good. You send it our way, please, because it, it's not <laughs> been fun here. Uh, so, uh, give me the the athlete or player that is weirdest for you to see in, in, in a different uniform. That uh, that tweet that was sent out by Super Sports Seventies fan or Seventies picks. I've screwed up the handle. Forgive me, but it's a funny follow. And there's just a litany uh, from Chris Christie throwing out the first pitch to uh, Johnny Unitas wearing Chargers gold and blue. Uh, the the pitch you sent me of, of Adrian in purple is right up there. But to any other sports fans, uh, I always thought it was weird seeing Andre Dawson in a Red Sox and Marlins uniform. And, and Expos fans thought it was weird seeing Andre Dawson in a Cubs uniform, I <laughs> presume. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> for, for me, there's, there's, a, there's a clear number one uh, – which is Michael Jordan in, in a Wizards jersey. How like, did you miss that one? And, you know, it, that's odd. no that that is there. I mean, there's a picture in yeah. this tweet of of Pippen in a in a Blazers jersey, guarded by Jordan <laughs> in a Wizards jersey. That's the pick. Well, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, and I think some of this. Wow, well, 
obviously some of it is when I grew up and, and, and the role that Michael Jordan played in my life as a young sports fan, but also like, I'm still not convinced Washington wizards are a real team. They have a dumb logo. They have dumb uniforms. Uh, it seems like a fake team, which I guess maybe is actually better. Like, could you imagine Jordan in a Pistons uniform oh, or never. a Pacers uniform? Never, then, then, no. Then you'd, be really, then you'd be really weirded out. So maybe it's good it was the Wizards, but still, I don't like seeing it. Well, how about Nick fan? Think if Jordan ever ended up in a Nick uniform. Uh, yeah, that... <laughs> That would be up there with the Pistons <laughs> in terms of if you were a fan of the Jordan Bowls, uh, I, I was trying to think, like, Pistons was the first one that came to mind, and I forgot about the Knicks. So that would have been, been tough. He, he abused New York so many years. I mean, they were, they were really good, and they just couldn't get by him until he got sent down to, to Birmingham. You know, and seeing it would have been funny to see Bird and Lakers gold and, and, and Magic and Celtics green. Yeah, that would have been that would have been an all time uh, weird one. But so, yeah, I was I was thinking through some other ones, and uh, when I got down to it, I was like, yeah, there's just nothing weirder than Jordan, like Jordan in yeah. a Wizards uniform. No, it, that, that, that takes the cake, and, and being close personal friends of Phil Jackson and stalking the practice facility as a youth. I mean, the Bulls. Right. <laughs> I mean, not many of us can have, uh, you know, a lit Winston thrown at us from a from a Corvette window. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, the strange thing was, Phil Jackson, you know, he, he was kind of mystical. He said, someday, son, you're going to see Michael <laughs> Jordan in a purple and teal, teal uniform for a team that doesn't yet exist. And it's going to blow your mind. And you'll be talking about it. In 2022. Young Vogel, if you can dodge a lit lung dart, you can do anything, son. Um, let's uh, dive into FPI. And it's basically a heart versus head thing, I think, for a lot of Nebraska fans. If they want to climb back up to the old proverbial table of emotion with uh, buying into this preseason projection of probably eight wins and a Big Ten West title. And it's Nebraska that's been the the culprit while being two games under your your projected win totals. They, Nebraska, air quote, should have made bowl games the last five years, and instead they're two to three games below some of their win projections. I mean, they're not even at six and six. Once maybe five and seven of the years, Vogues. I want to start with this. From from 2017 to now, what year was the biggest underachievement? Do you look at 2017? Do you think it was 2019? Was it last year at 2021 going three and nine? I, I, I've had a tough time, and I think 19 was a missed opportunity, and I think last year was an absolute nightmare as well as they played good teams. But I swear to you, dude, I think 2015 squad should have had nine or ten wins. Yeah, they were a lot closer to that than, than I think their actual record, which um, when you get into some of these power rankings, including FPI, that's that's how they look at these teams. So, you know, the, the number that comes out today in these first set of FPI rankings, Nebraska 7.7 wins or whatever it was, can be like, well, well how? And part of the how is because it looks at Nebraska as basically – a seven-win team last year. 
<laughs> which which kind of gets to the first part of your question and, and the the overall you know kind of cognitive dissonance, dissonance that that happens with these these rankings is well Nebraska has a history of underperforming this I'm guessing I would have to go back and double check but I'm relatively sure that Nebraska probably hasn't hit its FPI projected win total since 2016. And I specifically remember that year because 2017 was the year that FPI projected five and a half wins, and it was kind of the opposite. Because Nebraska was coming off a nine and four year, and it was like, well, how do you only see five and a half wins here? Because, well, that team, FPI and other forward-looking metrics, were really treating the Huskers as maybe more of a six and six type team which is, was probably pretty accurate. You know, they, they didn't have a huge scoring differential, um, won a, a handful of close games, which, boy, those are the golden days now, it, it seems. So in terms of underachieving, I think I would probably have to go with last year, 2021, mm-hmm. though um, 2022 <laughs> – if if they don't get to six or seven this year, I think that's probably going to take the cake because they have a tailor-made profile for a three and nine team to be ranked thirty fifth, thirty sixth, wherever they were in these initial thirty, yeah, thirty fifth in these initial FPI ratings. Are they going to be that much more talented, or you think they'll be better coached? Um, well, I don't know that. FPI definitely looks at talent via recruiting, and I assume the transfer portal now. Um, I, I, and, I, and I know it doesn't have a built-in way to kind of assess coaching addition. So I think it's more, you know, with a lot of these, it's kind of, okay, you've been this and you've been this and you've been this. Regardless of record, um, like we evaluate you as this good, are you eventually going to – one of these times, you're just going to play to the level, and you're going to have a win total that reaches the level that accurately reflects how good of a team you were. So, so really, I think it's more, and this is a very unexciting answer uh, to the question as you posed it, but I think really it's more of a positive regression to, to the mean, to average, <laughs> over better coaching, better talent, because from a returning production standpoint, Nebraska's like, right in the middle of, of most teams in the country. Brandon, let's say that, that the FPI is correct and Nebraska is going to be a team that's competing for the Big Ten West crown next season. Uh, who do you think their, their main competition is going to be? Wisconsin's losing some pieces. They bring back Braylon Allen, obviously, but losing some pieces on the O-line, losing some pieces defensively. Uh, Iowa just feels like you know what you're going to get every single year with them. That's a solid defense, but nothing too exciting on offense. And Minnesota, I don't know what to expect from Minnesota this year. So, so who do you think Nebraska's main competition, a team that you think is going to be competing for that Big Ten West crown? Main competition, I, I think you still have to – I still have to go with Wisconsin, um, which they've only won the West once out of the last four seasons, which you know, is something that becomes kind of easy to forget. I myself had forgotten it um, until working on a, a feature for this April magazine. And – uh, but the, the Badgers going into 22 have a ton to replace on defense, got their quarterback back. Looks like they've got another great running back in Braylon Allen. And you feel pretty good about their ability to replace what they need to replace and the level of coaching they get on defense. 
Iowa's sort of the same boat. Returns pretty good production on offense, has some holes to fill on defense, but it's Iowa. They're always going to play pretty good defense. So I think it's between those two uh, in the top for me, and I think Minnesota's right in that group too, which Minnesota is also a team that has to replace a ton on defense. So you're kind of seeing a a little bit of a trend here. If, if Nebraska's offense with, you know, some new ideas and some new coaches were able to take a, a big jump, this would be a good year to do it where your primary division foes all have to have to replace a good deal on, on defense. The issue is Nebraska doesn't play Minnesota, Wisconsin, or Iowa until November. And at that point, however young you were in weeks one, two, three, four of, of the football season, all of a sudden you, you're starting to feel pretty experienced. Brandon Vogel is with us with Hale Varsity Radio, flanked by his partner in crime, Junior, who just, uh, I think I interpreted that as how the hell is Texas in the top ten of the preseason FPI? <laughs> I, I, I hope so. If, if he did, that uh, he's, he's one-year birthday is coming up at the end of the month, and uh, that might be my private sad motive if, uh, if he's, he looked at the FBI today and said, why, why Texas? Um, Number that's six. That's one that jumps out, you know. <laughs> um, SP Plus, another ESPN metric, the one created by Bill Connolly, I think had Texas exactly one spot ahead of or one spot behind of Nebraska, which was right in that 35, 36, 37 range. So a pretty, that's a pretty big difference of, of opinion, or in this case, difference of model in, in what, they, what they see for Texas. And a lot of this comes down to now, and, and I mean, we're still, we're just starting to, to see this. How do you handle transfers? Because we know Texas got a big time quarterback transfer. Uh, Nebraska has their old quarterback, which, which makes things kind of interesting. But yeah, I didn't see enough from Texas last year to totally get that ranking myself. Brandon Vogel. Vogues will talk Saturday morning. Thanks for the time and uh, get that Big Ten uh, West banner ready, all right? Will do. There he Thanks, is. Guys. Brandon Vogel with us, Hale Varsity Radio. More thoughts. Gary Barnett coming up. We'll check in with Parker Gabriel. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We're talking boom or bust. The FPI preseason says Nebraska is your slight Big Ten West favorites. Going to be a fun year, man. I mean, you've got the build up, the drama, the 
special kickoff in Ireland. And I know we just wrapped up spring football. Parker Gabriel, get his take on things. Gary Barnett also on the way. Numbers to get in, 466-377-7600-825-5865. Some uh, movers and shakers as we near the end of April, uh, two weeks from tonight, you have the NFL draft to get underway. Where are the Huskers trending? And right now, uh, the latest is this. You've got uh, the, the first Husker to be selected. It looks to be a third-round pick like Russ Landy was talking about. Cam Jurgens could end up in San Francisco. Cam Taylor-Britt finding his way to the Chargers uh, in that, uh, that fourth-round window. JoJo Doman to Detroit in the fifth round. And I think I saw Samare Toure to Seattle in maybe the seventh. No mention of Austin Allen, no mention of D-Boogie, no mention of, of uh, D-Train, DeAndre Thomas. So that's kind of where we're at, but you've had Cam Jurgens continue to explode and pretty interesting write-up by some of the NFL scouts and draft insiders earlier in the week, Elijah, really wowed by Cam Jurgens what he did. And it was pretty uh, – one uh, scout posted his – uh, personal foul, which wasn't a personal foul down in Norman, <laughs> where he got out on a screen and hurt somebody right as the whistle echo was ending and uh, it wiped out a – it was still a good gain, but it wiped out a monster gain, gain on a screenplay to – to uh, Ramir Johnson. I think scouts are finally starting to see what Nebraska fans got to see all last year, especially what we saw here in the media, which was Cam Jurgens being really the only bright spot along the offensive line. Uh, obviously, you had guys like Nuruddin step up and Teddy uh, stepped up in his limited snaps, but Cam Jurgens was the guy you could count, in, count on game in, game in. Ah, man. Game in, game out, series in, series out, play in, play out, did not matter. Cam Jurgens was going to be a guy who was going to be solid and reliable, was going to get push up front, was going to to be the guy that had a, a mentality of a Nebraska offensive lineman. And he really just did it all for that offensive line last season. I think the scouts are starting to see that. Um, the one thing that surprised me from those those draft grades, though, is that JoJo, they haven't fallen to the fifth round, fourth round, fifth round? Fifth, fifth to Detroit. Ah, man. I, I, don't, I don't see him getting out of the fourth round. No, and I think he's too good a cover guy. I, I could see him going as high as like late third, third round. Right, don't you? Yeah, I'm with you. It just takes one. And I think JoJo's good enough to to be uh, an excellent asset and, and phenomenal role guy. Not only just special teams, but go take on a tight end. Go take on a a slot guy. Is he big enough to be a safety? Probably. Is he big enough to be a slot corner? Maybe. Uh, but you know how pass happy the NFL is. Is he big enough to be an outside backer? Probably not. But give me a, even if he is an air quote tweener, give me a guy that's a phenomenal tackler in space and can can use his football IQ. How good was he off the edge for a TFL? I know NFL is different than college, but I think there's a lot of, you can find something for him to do. And you're not going to find too many better athletes that tackle and are as physical as he is. Same with Cam Taylor-Britt. I think his speed is is also, it, it's not under the radar to the NFL people, 
But what he ran and as physical as he is, he's a good head setter as well. Yeah, and the 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 thing I'll say about JoJo is I, I think he probably would have struggled to find his place in the NFL. 10, 15 years ago, being a guy that you, you don't really know where you can slot him in. Can you slot him in as a normal linebacker? Is he an outside backer? Is he a nickel guy? What is he? But I think in, in today's modern NFL, the, the jack-of-all-trades guy is, is super valuable, especially uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which is where he's going to be, where, yeah, he can play special teams. He can come in on, on third down and be a guy who can come in and cover a tight end and uh, can cover a running back out of the backfield. He, he, he can do it all for a defense. I think that's going to be really valuable. and That's why I don't see him dropping below a fourth round grade think about getting that versatility Mm -hmm. at fourth round or fifth round money that's it it's about finding a russell wilson in the third round having a while to pay him third round contract money and spend elsewhere right and and then when you got to ante up to your quarterback payday if you hit on one or even if you drafted one super high that's when the rest of your defections happen with your team that's what makes the nfl always a living being and always moving well i mean you can see a guy that played the same role in this defense and luke gifford go in and make a career for himself with the cowboys is he a guy who's going to be starting every down on defense no not by any means but he can come in and fill in for multiple guys if there's different injuries or guys go what goes go down or whatnot on the defensive side of the ball he can come in and on top of that a very very valuable special teamer for the cowboys well right and, and gifford is is nice i mean he, he inked back up with with Dallas and Gifts, what six three and a half? He's a little taller, a little, bit. a little bit. But I mean, he's transitioned well from an incredible high school safety to a phenomenal linebacker, and now a, a guy that can come in and do work on the NFL. And he's you see Luke a lot on third down mm-hmm. uh, as as a situational guy. Tweet in from our friends at Go Big Redcast. Be sure to check their podcast out with the Hurt at Media family. And uh, when we were talking earlier about, you know, most underachieving or disappointing seasons for Nebraska. If you go back, they uh, weigh in with 2019 and uh, don't disagree that 2019's there. Uh, I still think, and I know it's not the Frost era, but you <laughs> you lose on a Hail Mary in 2015 to BYU. You have that game. You uh, You lose... In overtime at Miami after a furious rally in 2015, you beat the college football playoff team on a cold Saturday night on ABC in Michigan State with a two-minute drill for the ages with Tommy Armstrong. And then you kind of stick it to UCLA in the Foster Farms Bowl. You sneak in at 5-7, and you win, and you're right there against Iowa and for the brilliance that I can't speak of, you're calling a screen pass inside your own five that's tipped and picked for a touchdown. You lose that thing 28-20. You lose it overtime to Northwestern at home. So 2015 was loaded up with Stan, with Malik, with Vincent. You were still – you had Nate Gary. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were still really good. Wisconsin, I know that that game, I think Janovich busted off a 60-yard touchdown run to, to go up on Wisconsin, right? And then... Uh, Who's that kicker that was there for like a thousand years? Oh, that's not Aguiera. It's, I don't know. He was a big Sam Fultz guy, though, so yeah. we don't hate on him at all. But no, I mean, he doinked 
the one field goal <laughs> off the upright. Nebraska goes three and out with a, just a few seconds of clock burnt. And and then he hits the game winner. Gaglione. At the Gaglione. I knew it was G something. We're at war number 27 is tribute uh, a year later. We'll wind down hour one. Tale of our city were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, Hale Varsity Radio, six days a week for you. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Thanks so much to all those that have listened, subscribed, and continued to do so. And uh, you're invited to tell a friend, give us a review. Good, bad, or ugly, we'll take the criticism. It's all good. Or the praise, we appreciate that. But Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, get the subscription today with Hale Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. And also check out uh, all the, the great podcasts with her dad. And uh, their podcast uh, network is phenomenal. Over 60 to choose from. Aaron Sorensen does an amazing job. Damon Bennings partnered up with Jacob Padilla. Jacob has a couple of different ones. Brandon Vogel does his. Dr. Petey. Uh, Derek Peterson also has his podcast, the Varsity Club, and uh, it, it it's just good stuff. Steve Mark's been doing more. Greg Smith, the Straight Up Breakdown, is uh, just gold with Greg and company. And then of course Schick and Nick, and the uh, the uh, the Nick Bob podcast. So uh, just uh, just a few to sample numbers to get in four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five. 5865 FPI dominant topic. We'll dive more into that with uh, uh, our friend Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal mm-hmm. star, next hour, and Gary Barnett. We'll, we'll get his take. We won't dive super deep into FPI with him, but we'll, we got a list of teams that are either boom or bust for 2022. And what's he think of Nebraska? Boom or bust? Remember to get buckled up. Game preparation and uh, repetition predict. Success and winning drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember, always buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Uh, oh, my old buddy Garth Glitzman, uh, part of the, uh, the NBA inner circle. And what's cool about them is what they've done. You can you can blast the NBA. You can start paying attention now. Maybe you've gotten into it all season long. I'm glad Golden State's kind of back to to full strength. I know they're waiting on Steph to to, to heal up. He should be back for game one. But but they're going to be fun to watch. The Suns are incredible to watch. But these play in games have been a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean it's 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 really cool. I wonder if the NFL is going to maybe kind of go that route too. What I like about the play-in games is that they give these teams that are going to be the seven or eight seed, and they're honestly let's they're going to get murdered. Honest, they're going to get murdered in the first round by the good teams. It gives them some important playoff basketball for their fans to enjoy because it, it is a, a a big accomplishment for an NBA team to go make the playoffs, and it really sucks whenever you have a team like say the Timberwolves who improved their win total by like twenty five games mm-hmm. this year, really had a successful season, and it wouldn't feel all that successful if they get into the first round of the playoffs and they just go and get murdered by the Grizzlies or the Suns or mm-hmm. whoever. So I think it's it's awesome that you give these teams some important feeling games, some some games where the fans can go and have a good time before you inevitably go and bow out of the playoffs. I get a kick out of Chuck 
just losing it on them for celebrating like they did. And even with Atlanta's win, <laughs> there was a few streamers falling. <laughs> but hey, whatever. But uh, Trey is, you know, Trey Young's super talented. Mm-hmm. And, and to not see him in the postseason was was rough. And Atlanta's a few years removed from a 60-win season, but they tapped out early as a one seed. So then there's the Lakers. Right. One, two, three, Cancun, right? Is that the chant from back in the day with Nick Van Exel? <laughs> uh, Gary Barnett kicks us off Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And uh, we say hi to Hall of Fame football coach Gary Barnett. Coach, uh, you and I are, are kind of in the same corner when we come, when it comes to shaking our head about the wind. You're not a wind golf guy, and, and I'm not a wind baseball dad. We need the wind to go away. Can you do something about that? <laughs> well, the only thing you can do is stay inside. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, it just beats me up mentally. I'll tell you, playing golf, it just, I just, um, and I've played it enough now that I should be more comfortable with it, but it just, you know, I guess I'm not as mentally tough as I used to be. Did the uh, conditions even phase you on the sideline? No, the only thing, the conditions didn't, it just affects uh, some things in the kicking game is what I, I, I was always aware of that. You know, you're always making decisions about how how severe is it? Uh, do you do you uh, uh, take the wind in the fourth quarter? I was always aware of that kind of stuff, and sometimes overly aware, I think. But uh, you know, there's a couple times when you make those decisions and it works out for you. And you know, I remember we had one at Illinois, and uh, we just lost our kicker and. At, uh, it was 95 and we were making a run for the, for the Big Ten championship and it was blowing about 35 miles an hour in Illinois and we'd gotten behind and mm. at halftime and, and so I had to make a decision to, to go into the wind in the third quarter and that meant giving Illinois the ball into, with the wind and, you know, I made an appeal to our defense and just said, Guys, here's here's the strategy of this game. We need the win in the fourth quarter, I think, and so defense has got to play really well in the, in the third quarter. And so, sure enough, it turned around and we kicked a field goal in the fourth quarter. Win, they did long field goal, and we won with it. So, 
every once in a while it works out for you thinking that way, but it was always something I was aware of, and, and the punting game as well, especially the punting game. Do you ever get hosed where the wind switched directions? No, but I it uh, I got we had a tornado uh, and delay a game when I was at Colorado. We were playing at Iowa State and really evacuated the stands, and we had a two hours delay on the start. And then it was a critical game. It was my last season, and it was a critical game. We were seven and two going into that game and um, ranked like thirteenth and. And with Mason Crosby, and I'll be darned if if it, we had a forty mile an hour wind, and we he missed a field goal into the into a forty mile an hour wind, and it was really the difference in the game. And so and I haven't had it switch on me, but I've had you know it really affect a game. Gary Barnett with us, Coach. How'd you spend Masters Sunday? What did you think of Scheffler? I think he's one tough minded dude. Um, you know, uh, last four putts excluded, but um, <laughs> you know, just playing the way. Dot. What I what I was amazed at, not amazed, but impressed with, and and noticed was the competitiveness of those two guys. If you remember uh, when Cam Smith birdied eleven and just walked off the green, went up and waited for Scheffler to finish, and he was on the twelfth tee already. And uh, and Scheffler had done that to him earlier. And if you notice, when they walked down the fairways, they never walked side by side. They were 20 and 30 paces ahead of each other, uh, depending upon who hit first. Mm-hmm. And it was just a great head-to-head competition, I thought. And Scheffler, Scheffler was just tough-minded through the whole thing. Coach, uh, let's switch gears, talk some college football, and – not a ton to, to write home about with Nebraska's spring game. It was thud in the first half, tackle in the second half, and minimal viewing for one uh, Coach Fitzgerald okay, with the offense. But the, uh, the, the reviews have been good by, by the, the players and the assistants, so there's some, some momentum for Nebraska just not really seen outside of uh, the closed practice. I want to get your take on some boomer bust teams in 2020 uh, for 2022. And uh, this is a, a pretty good list compiled. I'll, I'll say a team, you give me a boomer, a bust, and uh, we'll dive in from there. A&M. Boom. I, I believe based on all depending on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get the kid from LSU is he that good? If he's that good, then they certainly have players around him to be a really good football team. Clemson. Clemson will be a boom again. You know, there's, I think there's just too much to Sweeney in that culture. Uh, not to think that it wouldn't be. I mean, they still won 10 games last year. I know. And, and everybody's down on them. So, <laughs> now, to me, 10, 10 games is a boom. <laughs> USC? Uh, you know, I got to tell you, I think they're going to be really good in a league that's not very good right now. They got too many good players not to be really good. Boom. Michigan. Uh, I'm going to go with a bust on Michigan, but, uh, um, I'm not sure who's going to really, Ohio State will 
obviously be the team in that league. Uh, I'm not sure who's after that right now. And Nebraska. Nebraska, I think that's a boom for them. I think, you know, I've I experienced the same sort of thing uh, in 2000 that they did last year. Uh, not as many one-score games, a loss, but same sort of feeling. You know, they have they have had a total changeover in coaches and and some players, and, and that might affect it. But I think they're primed in a in a conference that 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 right now I'm not so sure. Other than Ohio State, who's going to who's going to be a a really good team? What what changed in 01 for from 2000? I want to follow up if you're because you've you've referenced 2000 before, and I think you guys went four and eight or three and nine, one of the two, but you were right there against a lot of teams and scared most of the state of Nebraska, the uh, Black Friday game with your two-point conversion. Uh, so what was it? The, was it more frustration that they took you guys took out in 01 to make that jump? You just didn't let the linger? Was there any doubt? How did you get out of that funk? Well, we just grew up a little bit. Okay. Uh, we got Chris Brown. That helped a little bit. Um, you know, we had uh, we had a uh, we got Bobby Pesavino, uh, and and he, both of them had come out of junior college. We had put them in there. Okay. They were transferring from other schools, but um, you know that helped. But just we just grew up. You know, leadership. Uh, another year with me and um, our coaches. Um, so I think that was most of it, mm-hmm. but, uh, just confidence. I mean, those, those are bitter losses by one, one score, but they're also, uh, a little bit confidence gaining because you know, you're so close. And, and so you, I think you just got to play your cards right as you deal with all that stuff. Gary Barnett with us, few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, thought on, on Dabo Sweeties, sit down with the ESPN.com article, Chris Lowe, and Dabo uh, is not thrilled with the direction of college football, has reservations. Nick Saban kind of echoing those comments to an Alabama publication with the portal exploding uh, finan- financial decisions associated with recruiting is concerns by both of those head coaches uh Dabo's take is is not wrong he just might look out of touch in today's era and Saban questioning is this what we want to be are both those guys strong enough voices to help put some some parameters on on NIL if they're chirping already about it well I think coaches can we can chirp all we want about it right now and and I agree with them I'm old school from the standpoint of of um you know and this is a three or four hour discussion Chris so <laughs> well you gotta uh, you gotta tee off baby. <laughs> reader's digest version of this thing is you, you know to me uh we got a lot of people listening to other people who aren't truly invested in the sport but they're truly invested in and mm-hmm. And um, and making some money, and I think that uh, um, I just think college players, especially in their youth, in the first two or three years, it's we're 
taken away some of that education and some of that growth that needs to occur. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, um, it's being moved in a different direction. And it's, uh, you know, it's just not what I think the sport was intended to be about, uh, nor college sports was intended to be about. And so it's just how long will fans, how long will supporters, how long will institutions continue to allow these sort of changes to occur before somebody call it says enough's enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, you know, I, there's a lot of money involved. And um, the one thing that is not going to show up in all this is that even a more uneven playing field. It's impossible to have a level playing field in college because each college has its own identity, its own admissions. Where it's located has something to do with its advantages or disadvantages. You can't level the playing field in college like you can level the playing field in the pros. Mm -hmm. And the NCAA takes a hit all the time from people about how they've had screwy rules and this and that. But their job was to protect institutions and level the playing field as much as they possibly could, knowing that there are there are schools who have inherited advantages and disadvantages based on where they are, inherited advantage and disadvantage based on admission standards, and none of that can be changed because they want to keep the integrity of the institutions. So. Uh, Trying to level it with NIL and, and transfer portals, it just, uh, I don't, I think that's the wrong approach. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, my approach would be different, but as I said, we don't have time for that. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, interesting article about some teams that need big recruiting classes in 2023, and your, your foundation is still going to be. Uh, going to the high schools and then developing, you're going to supplement either with Portal or with JUCO, right, if if you're not as strong as you need to be. And I want to dive into the quarterback spot. Uh, Dylan Riola is the number one player in 2024. He has Nebraska connections. He also has the who's who after him. He'd be a big get for Nebraska. We'll see if they, they can stay in the race. Did you know you had a generation or kind of a, a program changing quarterback in, in Hagen when you, when you guys got him, did, did you know that you'd hit on that type of great player or were you just hoping? I think it's all a hope. You know, I I don't think anybody knows anything and you just, you just try to eliminate most of the risk. And, and, you know, first of all, just, you got to get him. Yeah. You know, I mean, we we had to beat everybody for him, and we, that was not a given at all. We were, you know, I'd say we were behind going into that race, those races. Who were you behind? So, well, Nebraska. Oh, really? You know, for sure, and Oklahoma. So, um, you know, we you got to get them first, mm-hmm. and so identify them as as one thing, but. You can't at, at one. You can't say, "Well, this is the number one guy. We have to have him," and then not get him. So then, then how do you? What's what's the rhetoric around that? <laughs> you know, well, we we don't have a good one. We had to take the next one. So you can't do that. So you just identify guys that you hope you can get one of them, and that they're going to make a difference. You, and it's a hope. It really is. But it's you know, you do your homework and 
take take your risk, eliminate what risk you can, and and go from there. So it's a crapshoot. Trust me. You have talent, coach, with with the the Trevor Lawrence's, Tommy Frazier's uh, of the world, uh, Darian Hagan. Aside from that talent, they're good enough at that age, that young age, to to go ball. But is is the other common denominator the fact that they were placed into some pretty experienced teams? Is that a must? Well, I think it's it's just the whole culture, and, okay. and it's it's just it's it's the way things are at that time, and it it changes. It's nothing stays the same, but it's a combination combination of players around you, culture, um, uh, a little bit of luck, you know, how you respond to being away from home. I mean, all those things come into play, and there's just no guarantee on any of them. Mm-hmm. So, Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, hit him far, hit him straight, and uh, swing easy, as you've told me, when it's breezy, right, if you're still dealing with wind. <laughs> I can't do it, but I'll try. <laughs> Coach, have a good weekend. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Great being with you. So there he is, Coach Gary Barnett with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. As uh, good thoughts from Gary. We'll probably have uh, his thoughts on Nebraska being a boomer bus team up on SoundCloud here shortly following the conclusion of the show. Before we get there, a lot more to get into as we'll have Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, coming your way here in about 20 minutes. But first, after the break, we'll have Parker Gabriel joining us as uh, he is going to... Uh, Break down uh, those FPI rankings. Nebraska winning the Big Ten West. According to those, uh, we'll get into that after the break here on Hale Varsity Radio. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say out to Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star at Husker Extra PG on Twitter. Parker, it's uh, well, it's it's now talking season since spring football's done, and the FPI is out with uh, a vengeance <laughs> and uh, reaction. Nebraska, the favorite in the West. Yeah, yeah, it's FPI uh, catnip season, so. <laughs> You can pretty much hang the Big Ten West banner now, right? Well, uh, let's. Why, why stop at the West banner, Parker? As, yeah, long, as, right. as long as there's going to be room made for the West banner, right? I saw the. I saw the. Uh, I saw that this morning, and I booked my flight for Pasadena. Well, I, I'm in a group text with some buddies that went to college with and high school with, and they're scattered all over the country, and they asked me if I wanted the. Um, the suite in Indy. So, uh, and I said, I said, let, let me get back to you on that. But in all reality, you know what? Seven or eight wins wherever you fall with the FPI in this preseason. You and I both know a lot of Nebraska fans that, that can talk themselves into seven or eight. We can even probably talk ourselves into seven or eight. I know I did last year. And and why will next year be different? What's what's the biggest caveat in your mind 
to actually kind of living up to this early projection? Yeah, I mean, I think if that's going to happen, obviously, the, I mean, it's a long list of things that need to fall into place. They've got to, you know, be able to establish um, some rhythm and identity on offense, and they've got to replace all those key pieces on defense, and they've got to get better on special teams. And so that's what I think part of the tough part about getting a read on this team over the course of the spring is just there's just a lot of change. You know, I mean, there's you've got a bunch of new guys. Um, you've got a bunch of new coaches on offense. You've got new guys on both sides of the ball. You've got a new guy in charge of special teams. Uh, you had a bunch of key guys that were out for the spring, most of whom will be back. And so it was just um, – it's a very – I think it's a tough group to get a good read on. So in that regard, there's, um, you know, I think you leave open the possibility that they live up to those metrics and compete for the West. And then you'll leave open the possibility that, you know, that the metrics have thought relatively highly of Nebraska at times over the past five years too. Uh, and it hasn't meant anything once the game started. So uh, chalk it up to good fodder for, for mid-April and not much more than that. Yeah, Parker, the way I see it is, I mean, with a 29% chance, according to FPI, to to win the Big Ten West, that means there's still a 71% chance that a team not named Nebraska wins it. So all I'm reading into this is, yeah, that's another year of the Big Ten West being absolutely wide open, but as soon as Nebraska comes in at number one, the memes are going to be flying. Well, yeah, I think that's that's a good point too, Elijah. I mean, you know, you've got the – I don't know that there's a clear favor in the West, and that's basically what these rankings are are getting at more than anything. I mean, you know, Iowa, they're going to have a quarterback competition this offseason. They were really bad for the most part offensively last year and still managed to win a bunch of games. And Wisconsin uh, tried to land a transfer quarterback this offseason and didn't, and so they need to get a big jump out of Graham Mertz in order to be a true contender. Uh, Minnesota has built – uh, to the point where they're relatively consistent and, and they, you know, you'd think that they'd be in the mix somewhere. Um, Purdue had a nice year last year and they've got maybe the best quarterback on this side of the conference uh, returning, at least in terms of, you know, big 10 production and Aiden O'Connell. Um, and then, you know, Northwestern trying to bounce back from a terrible year last year in Illinois building. And so, yeah, there's just not, I, I don't know. I mean, I think somebody from that group will emerge. Um, but, man, I, I don't know anybody that could tell you, um, you know, who it's going to be at this point. And that's, like you say, I mean, that's sort of what those those rankings reflect is that there's not a clear-cut favorite. Parker, how much do you read into schedule? And that's been the biggest issue for me is Nebraska's schedule has been what it's been. And they were right there so many times a year ago. Uh, they've got to replace a lot that you touched on, but maybe a, a year more mature with some of the returners. Schedule-wise, I mean, the, the, the kickoff in Ireland, to me, it'll be Illinois 2.0. Can you hit right. that mulligan? And then you, you still have to travel to Ann Arbor, and I know that's a crossover, but it's kind of a, a beast of a crossover. November's no fun. The way you close has always been an issue and will be in the West because of that that three-team round robin, it feels like. But honestly, when you look at Wisconsin's schedule and Iowa's road trips, uh, Nebraska uh, able to host Wisconsin this year. I know they head to Purdue. 
Uh, but uh, and they host Oklahoma, which Nebraska's got, I guess what I'm trying to say, plenty of, of confidence-building opportunities before it gets super thick in November. Do you like their schedule compared to some of their other peers in the league? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's, you know, it sets up a little. I think last year's schedule, if you looked at it on paper, you would say it's tougher just with, yeah. you know, the crossover games, what they were. Um, but I think the, the similarity between last year and this fall is that, no, you know, you got to get your work done early um, because November's no picnic. And, you know, this year it's Minnesota at Michigan, Wisconsin at home, and then at Iowa to close it out. I mean, that's, you know, that's that. But I think when you talk about scheduling, Schmitty, like the thing that I keep coming back to is I I think that Nebraska is at a point now where, you know, last year showed they can play with anybody. Mm-hmm. But it also showed that you can, there's just – I think it's folly to take any anything for granted, too. I mean, the only team in the West that Nebraska has won its most recent game against is Northwestern. And they play Northwestern – on the road week zero in Ireland. So that's not going to be, uh, you know, a, a, just a walk in the park either. So I don't know. I mean, the, it looks on paper uh, more manageable than, than last year did, but we've had this conversation over and over and over again with Nebraska where it's like, it's, who are the teams that are more manageable? I mean, that, that stretch in 2019, it was supposed to be back-to-back home games against Indiana and Purdue, and they lost both of them. They lost to Minnesota. Uh, you know, they lost Minnesota again uh, last year, and they, they lost to everybody in the West except for Northwestern last year, even as close as they were in some of those games. So that to me is like, I just, the schedule is what it is. The key for Nebraska is going to be to go out no matter who's in front of them and, and you know, try to find a way to, to win rather than which are the ones they should and shouldn't. Parker Gabriel with us, Lincoln Journal star, Nebraska football insider at Husker Extra PG on Twitter is where you find him. To the spring game we go, and, and not not a lot to glean. Offensive line will be the key for the the offense. And what is your take on uh, being settled at center, i.e. Hickson, some of Frost's comments? Does that put uh, the rest of some of those puzzle pieces on the offensive line, I don't want to say at ease for, for Iola and Frost, but if Hickson can anchor it down, does that allow some of those other moving parts to fit nicer? Yeah, I think it helps quite a bit if that's the case. And Frost certainly made it sound like they were confident in Trent Hickson. Now, you know, I mean, the proof will be in the pudding, right? Mm-hmm. If they give Turner Corker and a long look at center in preseason camp, then, well, you know, we'll, we'll know that they think maybe that can be an upgrade. Um, you know, what what Trent Hickson gives you, if, if you're confident that you can win Big Ten games with him as your center, what it allows you to do is let Corcoran focus on being a tackle um, as he gets back to being healthy this summer. And then I think it sort of does two things. If Teddy Prochaska's uh, recovery from knee surgery goes really smooth and he's able to, you know, get the power back in his legs and feel strong and healthy and be in position to, you know, be full go when camp opens in July and all of that. Great. Um, Corcoran can compete at right tackle. And if not, you know, if you're, if, if Teddy, you know, if that takes longer and I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, obviously, I don't know the exact, you know, details of his rehab or, or where he's at or how he's feeling. But, uh, you know, it's different, I think, when you're 6'9 and 315 pounds, and they're going to be careful with him, especially 
I mean, they've, they've had an instance of a knee, you know, re-injury this spring with a promising young player in, in Thomas Fedoni, and they obviously, you know, do not want that to happen with, with Teddy Brahaska as well. And so, you know, if, if they bring him along slowly and he's, he's either, you know, not full go right away or maybe not even ready for the start of the regular season, then Corcoran gives you another option for covering the left tackle and, and then you figure out right tackle. I still think even with the interior, maybe a little bit, you know, the picture, maybe there's a little clearer or you feel a little bit better about what they've got on the three inside positions than you did at the beginning of spring. I still think they'll look to add another offensive lineman from the portal. Um, but I, but I think you're right that, you know, if they really do think they can win with Hickson at center um, and that's what it sounds like, um, then, then that sort of, that helps you, you know, put the rest of the, the puzzle together up front. Parker Gabriel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Parker, with what you saw from the offensive line in the spring game, uh, along with what you saw from the running backs, or are you buying or selling the narrative that the Nebraska rushing attack will be more effective in 2022? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good question. I, I think I'm going to hold for now. I'll give it a hold grade for now. Um, except for that holding's not normally good on the offensive line, so maybe yeah. we need to find it. Different that. term, <laughs> my friend. Different term. Yeah, different uh, trading term on, on that one for our, our market report that we're putting together. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think you saw signs of it. I don't want to overdate the spring game too much. I, I think, you know, Frost glowed enough, at least as much as he does, about the progress the offensive line made this spring that I, I have a hard time not at least thinking that they must believe that there's improvement there. Now, like exactly what does that mean in the spring and what does it mean given the depth of the defensive front right now and how, you know, it's not, they weren't going against Casey Rogers and Ty Robinson, 80 snaps of practice, obviously. Um, And so, you know, what exactly does that all mean? I I guess only time will tell. Um, But I, I think that you, you know, I think there was a little, I think you could tell even though they didn't tackle in the first half and you just don't get much from that when it comes to running inside zone with Jacquez Yant when it's two-hand touch, basically. Um, I think you I think you saw uh, enough to buy that, yeah, they're playing with some pep and they're stepping all that. Now, what does that mean in, in terms of pass protection? What does that mean when it starts flying for real this fall? I, I think it's probably a little early to say anything definitive about that. Parker Gabriel with us. Parker, about 20 seconds. Percentage on O'Shawn Mathis. Uh, give me a percentage that he uh, he lands in Lincoln. Uh, 45%. I think it was a really good visit. I think he's heavily under consideration. And I think at the end of the day, um, you know, Gary Patterson, the former TCU coach, being at Texas and Texas being where he's from is going to make them a contender to the very end. So, Let's call it almost a coin flip, and just I'm a little bit leery still of uh, the in-state, the in-state power there. Uh, you know the influence that that might have. Parker, thanks for the time, bud. Yep, have a good weekend. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the 
promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke, VEASAN Sports Network, the pride of Chicago with us at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, what's going on? I saw a few pictures of you in the bleachers, so the uh, poking of said bear must have worked. <laughs> Man, I you know, we, we were talking on about opening day was the last time we were talking. And look, the, the Cubs got a surprising win, so I had to go support the boys while the tickets were still relatively cheap because we were kind of talking about that, too, for opening weekend, regardless of what the expectations were. Usually don't get it at that good of a bang of a buck for the Cubs. So uh, check the game out on Saturday. They dominated the Brewers. And then on Sunday on Stroman's debut, Ross made a bad managerial decision, took him out early, and they blew it. But, no, you're right. I mean, yeah, went on the uh, went on the right field foul line, was hitting it up with Sam Suzuki, and then uh, got to the bleachers the other the other game and uh, was able to get a uh, ball from uh, the Brewers. Who is it? Like, what are their bullpen catchers? Did the old Google the name, and no one else who's a Cubs fan knew it. So I did a little research and was able to snag a ball. So all in all, not a bad trip to the friendly confines. I love it. We're going to turn to college football. I know it's it's April. FPI is out. You remember this time of year. And uh, Nebraska tabbed as the slight favorite in the West. 7.5 victories for 2022. Right here, right now, over or under for Danny Burke. So, Schmitty, I mean, I feel like year after year we do get our hopes up for this Huskers team, and obviously it falls completely short. But I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't disagree with where they have the Huskers going into this year. I mean, you and I have talked about it a lot, and I know obviously you've talked about it extensively on the show, but this is desperation mode for Scott Frost. I mean, even beyond that. And he's bringing in a legitimate coaching staff now, guys who are bringing in actual playmakers. You're getting a different outlook offensively with your quarterback, and you're hoping you can kind of revamp that offensive line. I think people – well, I guess the way I'm looking at it and what I've been telling people, I think Nebraska now they kind of have that mantra based on the public that they're always overrated and that they're always just going to fall short. So I feel like this season, because of what people, especially you guys, know about this team – it's going to be a relatively good buy-low spot on Nebraska because of the desperation factor adding in, because of the new parts that are being implemented. I really do like this team to go over their win total. I could see them getting about eight wins. If their win total is anywhere from like six and a half to seven, I would absolutely bet that. The schedule's not as tough. Again, you're getting new playmakers in there, and it's just going to be a different vibe around the team. I think you're going to get a bargain on the Huskers this year, and I think they finally get into a bowl game. Danny Burks with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Burks, best bets. And, Danny, before we turn to some uh, NBA and MLB action, I want to keep it with football. we got the NFL draft coming up later this month, and I'm seeing there's odds out there for first overall pick, first quarterback off the board, first wide receiver off the board. Is that anything you will be touching? You know, year after year, at least, well, maybe the past couple of years, maybe the past few years, I've really gotten deep into the NFL draft, and especially during COVID when it was really the only mm-hmm. thing that we could bet on in the United States. So I love betting it. 
I'm going to be honest, though. This year I'm not as uh, enthusiastic about it just because I feel like we have so many other sports going on. And the draft quarterback-wise, which always creates a lot of spark, isn't the deepest. We all know that. There's not that many quarterbacks to get pumped about. Um, I'll probably be getting into the props more so about next week as we get closer to the draft itself. But I know originally, you know, the favorite to be the first quarterback taken was Kenny Pickett. And then you saw, oh, his hand's so small, and everybody takes that into account. And, you know, then you saw Malik Willis at the Combine or with his uh, pro day or whatever it was. And then he got a lot of movement in terms of the first quarterback taken. So I, I probably will get involved with that. What's obviously been fascinating, too, is to see the odd shifter who is going to be the number one pick. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, the short shot now is Aiden Hutchinson. And I know that's been flipping back and forth with the offensive lineman from Alabama. So it's been going all over the place, depending on where you're getting your value. But like I said, I'll probably get a little bit deeper into it next week. Danny, let's talk NBA, your Bulls and the Bucks, and also some play-in action. How's that treated you? Yeah, Schmitty, so, man, I, I love the playing game. I, I think it's just incredibly fascinating from a fan standpoint and, more importantly, of course, from a betting standpoint. And the beautiful thing about it, and I explained this really in-depth on both my uh, Chicago CityCast and Rush Hour, was that it, since it's a nuanced market, these books don't really know how to price it appropriately, and a lot of it is computerized. You can take advantage of these numbers. And basically the way I looked at it is because of how the playing game was set up, I had the Hawks winning their first game against the Hornets, which they did last night, and I assumed the Nets would, you know, handily take care of the Cavs, which they did for the most part. So I figured going into it, the matchup was going to be Atlanta and Cleveland. So before those first round of games and the play-ins even went off, you could get Atlanta plus 240 to make the postseason, which I just thought was ridiculous. So I went in ahead and I placed that bet, assuming this would be the matchup that we have to look forward to tomorrow. And even if you don't like the matchup, we assume that Atlanta would be a favorite, which they are. So if you want to hedge on your plus 240 ticket, you can, considering the Cavs are an underdog. So I'm rooting for the Hawks. I think they do get the job done as a uh, short favorite, but I also have that bigger price to sweat out. And then the other side, I also assume that the Timberwolves would win, and then the Pelicans would beat the Spurs. So you could look at the yes price for the Pelicans. They were like, plus 340 to make the postseason or you could bet the Clippers to miss it at plus 380 well with my assumption that they were going to be meeting up with each other that's literally the same bet so I took the 40 cents better on the Clippers to miss and now I got to hope that the Pelicans can pull this thing out the tough area about it is that the Clippers are the favorites so it's not as valuable as a spot to hedge but you could also wait in game and I also did some exactas, which I won't waste time kind of going into it. But I have, a, I have a few different avenues here. But I am going to be sweating out, hopefully, the Pelicans and the Hawks to get into the playing game. I have more faith in the Hawks than I do the Pelicans. But that's really the angle I'd be looking at for the NBA for the remainder of the playing games. And then for the Bucks and Bulls series, look, let's be honest. You guys have all seen how the Bulls have failed against top teams, especially the Bucks, who swept them during the regular season. I played the total games in this series under five and a half games. I laid minus 177. The juice just exploded immediately on all these bets toward the Bucks because, look, if you're assuming the game or the series is going to be a sweeper in five, it's going to be because of the Bucks, and then it'll stay under the five and a half. And you can bet the exact as Bucks to sweep or win at five. But again, you're kind of missing the best price on that at this point. But if you could find some way to bet Milwaukee to win in five or sweep, either if it's the total games under, Milwaukee covering the two-and-a-half series spread, or betting those exactas, that's probably your best route for Milwaukee and Chicago. 
Danny, looking ahead just a little bit here with about 45 seconds. Uh, Suns to win the West is just about even money, and then the, the Bucks are plus 200 to win the East. Those teams are the two odds-on favorites. What, what do you think of those bets this early on in the playoffs? Look, if you're going to bet either of those teams to win the conference, you might as well bet them to win the championship because you're going to get better odds at that point. And in order to win the conference, obviously, you know, they're going to have to do that, then get to the championship. So you're going to need that bet regardless to cash. So take the better value one with the championship. And then once you get to the championship, you'll be standing, you know, or you'll be sitting rather on a, on a bigger ticket and you could always hedge with the opponent. But a ticket that I did end up taking before the playoffs, I snagged the Bucks at 5-1. to one. I just don't see anybody containing Gian, uh, Giannis going into this playoff series and really just the whole year because, I, look, he's developed a free-throw shot. He's been able to knock down threes, and we saw what this team was able to do last year. They got a lot of depth. They can step up defensively when they need to in an easy first-round pass against the Bulls. So I did take a flyer on Milwaukee at 5-1 to one to win the whole dang thing once again. Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, Vizan Sports Network at Danny Burke 5. Danny, thanks for the time today. Yeah, you bet, guys. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One last time here on a Thursday, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal taking you through the final segment of the show here as Chris Schmidt once again on dad duty out watching his son play some baseball. And I promised yesterday during this last segment that I'd get you an update on the, uh, the, the, the game yesterday for the Silverhawk freshman team. They dropped that by a score of 3-1 to one to Creighton Prep last night. Schmidt told me that off air, uh, so I'll pass that along to you because I, I did promise it to you. Uh, but the Silverhawks back in action today. Good luck out to the Schmidt family as they're hoping for a win this afternoon. Before we get out of here, a reminder that the entire show, if you missed anything, as you, you just heard in our little intro there, if you missed anything from the show today, you can catch... Uh, all parts of the show on a variety of different platforms. First things first, you can go check out ESPNLincoln.com. That's where you uh, catch up on all the interviews as today. We had Brandon Vogel back in hour one. Then we had the coach Gary Barnett leading off hour two, followed by Parker Gabriel. And you just heard from Danny Burke as a part of Burke's best bets, getting you geared up for the NBA playoffs. If you missed any of those, they'll be available on ESPNLincoln.com. Or if you'd rather listen 
to the show in its entirety. Uh, there's a couple places for you to check that out. Uh, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts are all great options. Or uh, you can go over to the Hail Varsity YouTube page. Check us out there. Those are all the ways you can go uh, check out the show in its entirety. I know a lot of you love listening to this show uh, in podcast form a little bit later as opposed to live. That is A-OK. We want to cater to you, and that's why we have those up in podcast form. Before we get out of here, a couple uh, tidbits in NFL quarterback news. We're going to start this one off with the Denver Broncos. No bias uh, here from Broncos fan Elijah Herbal. Just kidding. A ton of bias here because this little uh, this little tidbit warmed my heart. Uh, offensive tackle Garrett Bowles of the Broncos said, uh, when you're thinking about Russell Wilson, you talk about some of the greatest athletes, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, the types of mentalities those athletes have. That's what Russell Wilson has. He's so focused all the time, ready to rock and roll, and it's what we needed here in Denver. Uh, that's Garrett Bowles. I know a lot of Chiefs fans in the audience, but we have some Broncos fans as well. So uh, that warms my heart. I'm sure that warms Broncos fans' hearts. We'll see as uh, the NFL Week 1 still a ways away. And uh, a lot of excitement going to be coming down in that AFC West division. So many talented teams. That's the kind of mentality you would need from Russell Wilson. We'll see if he lives up to that hype. But... In slightly more pressing news, a report out from Tom Pelissero today that Kyler Murray is not expected to play this year unless he gets a new contract with the Cardinals. We, we've seen this before with a, a team not being sold on the quarterback that they got, despite the fact that he, I mean he's a Pro Bowl guy. I mean we even see it with Kirk Cousins up up in Minnesota, where Minnesota signed a guy they thought was going to be the face of their franchise. As Kirk Cousins lived up to expectations up there. Not really, you would argue. Whenever I, I talk to my Vikings uh, friends, uh, that, that that's the that's the mistake that the Cardinals here don't want to avoid. So the the Murray team came with uh, an offer they would be happy with earlier this year. Uh, the Cardinals did not do anything with it, and now Kyler Murray saying, "You don't sign me to an extension, I will not be playing in 2022." So that's the news down in Arizona. We'll see if that gets resolved. I'm sure updates to follow this off season. That'll do it for this Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Tomorrow, Jabba Chamberlain, Bill Dolman, and more coming up uh, tomorrow at 4 here on ESPN Lincoln and across the state. A Huda Media Production.